Thank you so much for tuning into the Chronic Illness Support Podcast. Today, our guest is Emma G. Rose, the author of On the Bank of Oblivion, who is going to be talking about her book and chronic fatigue syndrome. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention states that an IOM report estimates 836,000 to 2.5 million Americans have chronic fatigue syndrome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Emma. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Emma G. Rose, and I'm the author of four contemporary fantasy novels. I'm the founder of the Imperative Press Books Publishing House, and I'm the co-host of the Indie Book Talk podcast. I also have chronic fatigue syndrome. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, or myelogic encephalomyelitis, when I was 16. CFS is one of those chronic illnesses with a strange constellation of symptoms. For me, they include difficulty sleeping, not feeling rested after sleep, seemingly random headaches and body aches, trouble concentrating, memory issues, and something called post-exertion malaise, which basically means that exercise can sometimes leave me feeling drained for days in a way that doesn't really match the intensity of what I was doing. Getting diagnosed was a battle. It started with a sore throat. My whole family had some sort of minor infection. I don't remember exactly what it was. But everyone else got better, and I never did. Over time, I lost my appetite completely and eventually started having repetitive muscle spasms affecting my arms and head. That was enough to finally push the doctors to figure something out. My mom advocated for me for months. If she hadn't, I think I would have given up and just accepted that I was broken in some way. But she insisted that there was something wrong and that the doctors needed to figure it out. Eventually, we ended up at a specialist in Boston who told me that I had chronic fatigue syndrome. It wasn't a common diagnosis at the time. It still isn't, especially among children. When I went back to my primary care doctor, she literally rolled her eyes at us. Apparently, she didn't believe CFS was a real thing. So we changed primary care providers immediately. Congratulations on all of your achievements. I'm so sorry to hear about what you've been through. What made you decide to become an advocate and write on the bank of oblivion? Honestly, I really didn't think of myself as an advocate when I started writing on the bank of oblivion. I was just sharing parts of my own story wrapped up in a fantasy world to make them easier to bear. I've never really identified as a spoonie, and many of my friends don't even know I have a chronic illness. Until recently, I haven't thought of myself as sick enough to count. It turns out that this is part of who I am. I can't ignore it, because if you ignore a chronic illness, it comes back with a vengeance. I completely understand. How did writing the novel help you? How will it help others? As a kid struggling with this, I felt like no one understood what I experienced. As an adult, I'm pretty sure that's not true. There are others out there who have this condition, and conditions like it. I want them to know that they're not alone. Writing the novel helped me process some of the feelings that I'd had as a kid. That desire to escape was very real. I wished for someone to come along and save me from all of this in a way that my doctors didn't seem capable of doing. I'm hoping that On the Bank of Oblivion will show others they're not alone, and that it's always worth fighting for the fullest life you can possibly have. I'm also hoping that this book can help people understand family and friends who have CFS and other chronic health conditions. 
When my aunt read an early draft, she said, I had no idea the depth of what you went through when you were trying to figure out a diagnosis. It's a really hard thing to communicate when it's actually happening to you. Yeah, I agree. It can be hard to communicate how you're feeling and what you're going through to people who may not have been through something similar. How long did you suffer with symptoms before you were diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome? I think I was sick for about a year before my diagnosis. Honestly, a lot of those memories are pretty fuzzy, so I'd have to ask my mom to know for sure. It definitely felt like a lot longer. What treatments have you tried? Did they help? Did you have side effects? The treatments for chronic fatigue syndrome are still fairly experimental. Uh, they don't even really understand what causes the disease or the mechanisms behind it. So a lot of the treatments are really sort of basic lifestyle guidelines. They originally gave me a very low dose antidepressant as a sleep aid, which helped with sleep but left me feeling more groggy. So we decided to take me off of that pretty quickly. Uh, I do take a daily dose of vitamin B12, which seems to have no side effects that I can see and helps me focus. Other than that, I sleep at least eight to nine hours a night, which has been huge. Some people say they can survive on six or seven, but that is not me. I need a lot of sleep to be functional. I'm glad you've been able to find some help with using vitamin B12 daily. What other information would you like to discuss about chronic fatigue syndrome? I think the most important thing is that I don't want to misrepresent CFS. I have what most doctors would call a fairly mild or controlled case. There are people with this condition who can't get out of bed for months at a time. I'm thinking of the woman who wrote Seabiscuit, Laura Hillenbrand. There are others who have physical and demanding jobs. Michelle Akers was an Olympic soccer player and she had CFS. So the condition looks different for different people. Now, people are saying that the effects of long COVID look a lot like CFS. I'm not a doctor, and I can't say for certain, but that makes sense to me. Like a lot of autoimmune conditions, CFS is often triggered by an infection or a major stress stressor on the body. Some of these people with long COVID may eventually be diagnosed with CFS or another autoimmune condition. Whatever your experience is, that's real and valid, even if the rest of the world doesn't fully understand it. Yeah, I agree. Everyone is different, and just because journeys don't look the same doesn't mean they aren't real. How do you cope? <laughs> uh, in many ways, I've structured my life around my illness. I need to be able to manage my energy throughout the day, so I started a freelance writing business. I can choose to start my workday at 7.30 a.m. on a good day or at noon on a bad day, and no one knows the difference because I don't schedule meetings before 1 p.m. I'm also really careful to go to bed and wake up around the same time every day. I pay attention to my diet, although not as well as I should, and I'm learning to listen to my body when it comes to exercise. Also, I do have a few close friends and family members who know the details of my condition and can advocate for me when I'm in a situation that isn't supporting my health. Those are all great ways of coping. What is something you wish you would have known when you were diagnosed? I really wish that I'd realized earlier that chronic fatigue syndrome isn't something I have. It's not like a vase that I can keep on a shelf. It's a part of who I am like my eye color or my love of books. Fighting who you are doesn't actually work. 
But if you can embrace this as just another part of you, you can build a meaningful and successful life. Yeah, I completely agree. How does chronic fatigue syndrome affect your daily life? Honestly, some days it doesn't feel like it does. Things like sleeping eight or nine hours and managing my diet have become so normal that I hardly notice that I'm doing them. I do notice when something is out of the ordinary. For example, uh, my friend and I were going to drive to her cousin's house. She wanted to leave at 5 a.m. to avoid the traffic. For most people, that would be inconvenient, but not terrible. I knew that waking up at 5 was not doable for me. It would mean that I was a zombie for the entire trip. There's no way I'd recover from that wake up in less than three or four days. So we had to adjust the plan. I sometimes have to say no to something that might be fun or good for my career because I can't afford to spend any more spoons. But for the most part, I've built in buffers to make space for what I need and want to do. How are you doing now with symptoms? Not great, actually. Uh, the stress of living through a pandemic and the disruption in my routine really took it out of me. I made things worse by trying to get back to normal too quickly. I found a workout routine that I loved in theory, but ultimately it was too much for my body long term, and I burned myself out. I do think I'm at the start of an upswing, though. I've been working with a nutritionist and limiting myself to walks and other low-intensity exercise, and that seems to be helping. I'm so sorry to hear that. I hope working with a nutritionist and doing different exercise helps. Is there any other information you would like us to know about your illness? There is something that a doctor, actually the doctor who diagnosed me, said pretty early on. He told me that stress in any form is going to be a problem for you. But if you have to choose between a physical stress and a mental stress, go for the physical stress. I found that that's really true because the mental stress sticks with you, but the physical stress passes through your body pretty quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. What piece of advice would you like to give listeners? If you have a chronic illness, you might think that there are things you won't be able to do. I'm not so sure about that. I think you can do pretty much anything you want to do. You may just need to find out your own way of doing it. And that starts by working with your body, not against it. That's great advice. How can someone show support? The biggest support that you can give is to believe someone when they tell you how they feel, even if their experience doesn't make sense to you. When someone tells you what they need, listen. If you want to offer monetary support, Stanford Medicine is doing amazing research. They may actually have found a biomarker for CFS, which is something that definitely didn't exist when I was a kid. You can donate to their ME-CFS initiative at med.stanford.edu backslash chronic fatigue syndrome backslash donate, which I realize is a lot, but if you just Google Stanford Medicine chronic fatigue research, you'll find it. Uh, our awareness ribbon is blue, and May 12th is Myologic Encephalitis Chronic Fatigue Syndrome International Awareness Day. I still have yet to say ME properly, but you all know what I mean. Those are all great ways to show support. How can listeners connect with you? You can go to my website, which is emmagauthor.com, where you will find links to all of the things that I'm doing. 
you can listen to the podcast. So when you're done with this one, go listen to Indie Book Talk. And you can find episodes on IndieBookTalk.com or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. I'm also on Twitter as Emma G. Writer. I'm there a lot and I am pretty active. Uh, I'm less active but still present on Instagram and Facebook where I am Life Imperative. And on TikTok, I am Emma G. Author and I do a little series called Writer Under Desk where I talk to you from underneath my desk. I'll be sure to include all of that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking time to be a guest on the Chronic Illness Support Podcast to talk about chronic fatigue syndrome and your book, On the Bank of Oblivion, to help provide education and awareness. I enjoyed having you, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. If you found listening to the Chronic Illness Support Podcast helpful in any way, please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.